to the preaching and teaching ministry of Marion Oaks Assembly of God in Ocala, Florida. We invite you to open your Bible as we join Pastor Tim McIntyre for today's message for Bible study. Tonight we continue our series on living the Lord's Prayer. Our focus all along has been not just what does the Lord's Prayer mean and what does it teach us about God and His priorities and what's important and what we should pray for and how to pray it, but also how should it affect our lives? Because if something's important enough for us to pray for or pray about, we should be willing to do what we need to do to see it happen. And especially if it's not just something we chose to pray about, but something that God says important enough to pray about. So tonight we are on the phrase that is deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. By the way, there is no PowerPoint tonight, but I'll do my best to give you what needs to go in your notes, all right? So when you hear the word evil or think of evil, what pops into your mind? What do you think of when you think of evil? Don't mention any names. John's down here laughing. Vita, wrong behavior. What else comes to mind when you think of evil? What did you say, Lisa? Something very bad. What did you say, Dorothy? Did you say something, Dorothy? Same thing. Okay, something bad. All right, anything else comes to mind when you think of evil? What did you say? Wickedness. Barbara? You think of sinning. Now, you don't mean like you're thinking about sinning, right? Okay, yeah. You know, you mentioned something really bad, and that certainly is true. But when I think of evil, I think of something even worse. But I think that that's maybe not a good thing, because if we think that evil is only the worst, worst, worst stuff, then the stuff that doesn't seem quite as worse we don't think of as evil when actually it can be. So the initial response is that it's just something bad is definitely true. The dictionary definition of evil, which is not the one on your note sheet, is something that's morally bad or wrong or wicked or depraved. The biblical definition of evil, which is the same, but as the word evil is used in the Bible, which by the way, the word evil is used about 800 times in the Bible. And I actually tried to work my way through all 800 times. I didn't have to look them all up by hand, otherwise I'd still be doing it. But with my Bible program, I could do a search for evil and it just lists them all. And so I was just able to kind of page through and skim through. But the biblical definition of evil is physically undesirable or harmful, Okay, or morally bad or wicked. Okay, so the second one is the one we often think of, the morally bad, the wicked, um, the bad stuff. But the Bible also uses evil to describe things that are harmful. Okay, even though they might not be morally wicked or morally bad, but um, an example would be if there's a famine, there's nothing moral about that, it just happens. But it's harmful. It hurts people. So it's an evil. Okay? Um, if there's an animal that can cause damage to someone. In the Bible, it's called an evil situation, even though the animal is not literally evil. All right? So that's why there's a separate definition uh, for the way the Bible uses the program, uh, uses the name, uh, the word. So let's go ahead and read, as we have been each week, the whole um, passage that deals with the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. And Jesus says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, you may have a translation that says, deliver us from the evil one. And we'll talk about that in a moment. It goes on to say, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right. Now, last week we had a great discussion on temptation what the Bible teaches about temptation, how Jesus experienced it and taught about it, and then how we should pray about it and how we should live our lives in light of the facts of temptation. Um, many people, if you read different commentaries or books about the Lord's Prayer, they kind of lump, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil altogether and say they're really connected. And they are really connected, but there are some ways in which they're different, okay? Um, how is the topic of evil related to or different from temptation? Well, let's talk about similarities first. What connection does evil and temptation have uh, in a definite connected way? Because we can be tempted to do evil things. In fact, when we think of the standard, most common definition of temptation, the desire to do something wrong, which temptation can also be a desire to do something right or do something good or to do something that's morally neutral. You're tempted to eat a piece of chocolate cake. Unless you have a very strict view of diet, that's morally neutral. But anyway, you know, but we often think of temptation as a negative thing. So temptation and evil are related because the bad type of temptation is we are tempted to do something evil. How else are they related? Vita. Okay. When you talk about the evil one, we already mentioned that some translate this the evil, some say the evil one, and we know the evil one is Satan, and he tempts us. So he is the tempter. He's the evil one. He is the tempter. Can you think of any other ways in which they are totally related? That's the two main ways I can think of. Okay. In what ways are they different? In other words, in what, what is there about evil that may not have anything to do with temptation? Can you think of anything? Well, definitely if it's a positive type temptation, it doesn't have anything to do with evil. Can we ever experience evil in a situation where it never has anything to do with temptation? Yeah. Evil can be done to us, and it does, it's not a temptation. Okay, There's a lot of evil out in the world that we see, that we may experience, that we hate, but we're not tempted to do it or participate in it. So you see, evil is a much broader topic than just temptation. Temptation is kind of one section of it. And that's why when I started studying this, I thought, oh my goodness, there's a whole lot more here than I uh, realized. So tonight, we're going to focus on kind of evil in general. And we can mention temptation along the ways, along the way, but since we spent all last week talking about that, we won't focus as much on temptation. Now, I said that some translations translate this and deliver us from evil, whereas others say deliver us from the evil one. In fact, I looked it up on Bible Gateway, which is a great website to look at Bible translations and stuff. I called up that verse and I said, list it in every English translation. And it listed a whole bunch of them. And it's almost equally divided. About half of them say deliver us from evil. The other half say deliver us from evil, the evil one. We've already said, who's the evil one? It's the devil. But when we say deliver us from evil, it would include the devil, but it's so much more than that, isn't it? Say, well, why do they um, translate it that way? Well, I'll just have to be honest with you. The literal in the Greek does not have one. It just says deliver us from evil. However, because Satan is called the evil one, a lot of Bible translators think that it's talking specifically about 
Satan. So they put that in there. I personally like just saying believers from evil because it includes Satan, but it includes so much more too. All right. But that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with translations that translate it the evil one. All right. Now, in the Bible, the evil can be the result of a moral choice. And that's what we've been talking about, morally evil, things that are wicked, things that are bad that people do because they choose to do what is bad. But evil can also be the result of natural causes. Can you think of any examples of an evil that is a result of a natural cause, but it's not the result of somebody's moral choice? A storm, an earthquake, a tsunami. I shouldn't even try to say tsunami, right? A hurricane. Let's say a hurricane, okay? You know, some kind of natural disaster can can have evil consequences, but it's not the result of a moral choice. And the word is used that way in the Bible. Um, how about sickness? You know, most sickness is not the result of a moral choice, but it's certainly an evil. It's something God doesn't like. It's a it's a result of sin. A miscarriage. Yeah, another great example. All right, so keep in mind that all those things are covered um, by evil in the Bible. So we're going to jump into our four questions. And this is where I got swamped, all right? What truths are found in this portion of the Lord's Prayer? In other words, what does the Bible teach about evil? And I listed them from A to M. So there, I got a bunch of them, and that isn't even all of them. And I know you guys are looking at them trying to fill in the blanks so you can give an answer. But when you think about what the Bible teaches about evil, what are some of the thoughts or principles that come to mind? John? Okay, something you try your very best to avoid, or at least you should. Because that's certainly not true of everybody. Some people try their very best to jump in with both feet, right? But it is something that we should try our very best to avoid, to avoid evil. Yes, Carlton. The fall. That's how it came into the world, right? Yeah, in fact, let's pause for a moment and look at letter A, because that's the very first one. Sin entered the world when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's how sin entered the world was because of their eating from the tree. And we could get into a deep discussion about what does that mean, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and we're not going to do that, other than the fact to say that by eating it, they were able to experience evil for themselves because they chose it. And that's what brought sin into the world. It, show, it says there, Genesis 2, 16 to 17, and is basically all of chapter 3, verses 1 to 24. We're not going to read that tonight, but that's the story. When God told Adam, you can eat whatever you want, but don't eat that one. And then chapter 3 talks about how the serpent tempted Eve to do so. She did. She gave it to Adam. He ate and all the consequences. But that's how sin came into the world. That's how evil entered the world because they ate from that tree. What other thoughts do you have about what the Bible in general teaches about evil? Yes, Jean. Yes, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. So evil is not just out there away from us. Evil's inside. You know, I almost put this in the Bible study, but then it's like, we already got enough. But, you know, where does, where does evil come from? Where is it found? Is, what are the, where, how does the evil have an impact on our lives? And there's an old phrase, the world, the flesh, and the devil. You know, the devil, the evil one, the world, that whole world system that's anti-God, but the evil is not just out there. And it's not just this malevolent spiritual force, um, and personality is coming against us. Evil is inside of us. Chris, okay, so uh, spiritually evil, evil personalities, okay, demons, 
try to have, you said enter, and that is certainly true, but try to have influence over people. You know, demons can have influence over people without, quote, possessing them. Christians can be oppressed by demonic forces. I think we talked about that last week, okay? Um, Vita, you were first, and then Norris. Go ahead, Vita. Yeah, the evil one tries to snatch God's word from us and its impact on us. Norris. That's right. Evil and people who promote evil will get worse and worse and worse as we go through history all the way up until the coming of Christ. In fact, let's take a pause again and go to letter B because B and C deal with that. Letter B, since the fall, evil has continued to spread extensively and rapidly. Adam and Eve, they got it started, got the ball rolling, and of course, um, I don't have it listed on here, but their first child killed their second child. Cain killed Abel. But what I do have on here is Genesis 6, 5. Not too long after Adam and Eve and their descendants began to multiply, 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 it says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It became the primary mode of existence for human beings after the fall. So since the fall, evil has continued to spread extensively and rapidly. You know, I told you I did a study. I, I, I asked my Bible program to search for all the verses with evil in it. And as I was scanning through there, it amaz- I, I should have counted, but I didn't have that much time. How many times the verse said, and so-and-so did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, or so-and-so chose what was evil in the sight of the Lord? That is said so many times, okay, especially about the kings. A lot of the kings through First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, the people that chose deliberately to do evil. And as Norris said, um, that's the passage in 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5. You can read that later. Um, it's there under letter B. Um, that Paul says, in the last days, man, wicked times are going to come. I mean, there already has been wicked times. They're going to be even wicked. And it's just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And he lists a whole bunch of signs of evil and wickedness. Okay? All right. What other thoughts or principles do we find in God's word about evil? Amanda. We're supposed to fight against evil, and one of the primary ways is by the word. That was true of temptation last week also. Chris. Okay, evil cannot comprehend or take over the light of Jesus. It sounds like a quote from John. I don't have that one on my note sheet, but it's a good one. Any other thoughts about evil from the Bible? Vida. Okay. God hates evil. God would like to guard us from evil. Does that mean that we will never be tempted with it or ever participate in it? No, it's just he wants to. Right, yeah. And you're the thoughts about evil from the Bible. A lot of them. Yes, Michelle. That's right. We talked about that last week, that when we are tempted by evil or we went through a time of testing that involves evil, God would not allow us to be tempted or tested beyond what we are able to handle with his help. That's 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Okay. Yes, Norris. Okay, so not only are we not supposed to be involved in evil deeds, but we should not speak evil. All right, good thought. Let me give you a couple more of mine, and then I'll pause and see if you think of any more. Let us see. God punishes evil. Where do we find that in Scripture? It's like, where do we not find that in Scripture? All the way through Scripture. God punishes evil. I mean, I could have listed how many verses underneath this? 
We could have just said the whole Bible, right? I did list one because God has a special um, dislike for people who promote evil. In Isaiah 5.20, it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And I want to tell you something. This has been prevalent all through history, but we see it in our culture every day. Just read the news. The things that people that are without God and godly standards, and even some that claim to have godly standards, that are saying, well, this is right and that is wrong, and it's just the opposite of what God says. Okay? And this is true and that is not true. Okay? And you can make choices about this and this whole this gender stuff. And I know that's not politically correct, but that's okay. We're not on a politically political rally, you know. But all these things that are said and and promoted in our culture, and as people taking what is evil and saying it's good, and just the opposite, things that are supposed to be good, they're saying it's evil. Parents wanting to have control over their children's education, you know, um, and over. The, you know, the choices they make when they're five years old uh, that are going to affect them the rest of their life that they're not mature enough to make. But yet our culture says, no, let them make their own choices or let us make them for them. You know, I mean, it's just the news has really saddened me. I mean, it has all through my life. But I mean, just lately, it's just gotten so bad. And it certainly fits here. But God will punish evil. Yeah. That's true. News is not really news anymore. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Let's go on. Letter D there. We are to choose good over evil. We are to choose good over evil. And again, this is all through Scripture. You know, God says, choose this day. You know, you're going to pursue life or death. Joshua, choose this day who you're going to serve. Um, all through the prophets, when God's people were involved in sin, the prophet, God would, God would use the prophet to talk about the sin. He says, listen, make a choice. Okay, I did put one verse in there because it really just summed it up so well. Proverbs 3, 7. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. I have down there Job 1, 1 and Job 2, 3. Job was commended by God to Satan for being a man who chose good and turned away from evil. He'd say to Satan, hey, did you see that guy, that Job down there? He chooses what's good and he turns away from evil. All right, and God calls us all to do that. Letter E, we are to hate evil. We're to hate evil. Amos 5.15, one of the prophets in the Old Testament says, hate evil, love what is good. Paul quoted from him in Romans 12.9, abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. So if we see any evil in our lives, what should we do about it? What? We should hate it. Ask God to help us what? Help us get rid of it. Okay, anything else you can think of we should do about evil? That's definitely true. Anything else we should do about evil in our lives besides hate it and ask God for help to get rid of it? Okay, so before it gets there, we should resist it. Okay, good point. But once it's there, anything else we should do? You guys are missing a real key point. All these things are true, but there's a real key point about what we need to do about evil we see in our own life. Okay, confessing and recognizing that it's there. Anything else? What? And praying about it. Yeah, that's all true. Turn from it. There you go. How about repenting of it? 
You say, oh, that was assumed. Well, I don't want you to assume it, okay? I want you to say it. Yeah, we need to recognize this evil. We need to recognize it's there. We need to resist it before it gets there. But if it gets there and we need to ask God to help us get rid of it, we got to repent of it too. We have to repent of it. And that's what I have down in F. God tells his people to repent of evil. Where in the Bible do we see that? Throughout the whole thing. Where do we not see it? You know, every example we see in the in, in the Bible where people do, God says, repent, turn away from it, get it right. All the prophets Repent, repent, repent. Okay? I've got a great book about repentance, but I don't have time to tell it. I mean, a great joke about it, but I don't have time to tell it, so I'll have to tell it another time. Anyway, I know that wasn't fair. Uh, letter G, letter G, God tells his people to purge evil from their midst. Okay? Um, that has to do with our own personal lives, but this is also talking about the people of God. That was another thing that really just stood out to me when I was kind of paging through the places, you know, just scrolling through the places where where um, uh, the word evil is used. Over and over, God's telling his people, purge the evil from your midst. He says, if this type of person um, does this, this is the punishment so you can purge the evil from your midst. If a person does this, then this is what you should do so you can purge the evil from your midst. You know, an example that we see or a picture that we see in the Bible of sin is that it's like leaven or yeast. That you put it in a little bit and it spreads throughout. So you got to get it out. You got to deal with it at its root. It's like a weed that pops up. You got to get the root and all, or it's just going to take over your yard. Which is the only reason my yard looks green because the weeds have taken over and they look really green. I just keep them trimmed real good so it looks all right. But that's the way sin is, and that's the way evil is, right, Michelle? That's true, and that's a very good point to make that I didn't have in my notes, and that is that when God tells his people to purge the evil from their midst, the really strong passages in the Old Testament, we're talking about people who've deliberately committed heinous sins and crimes, and God says you've got to deal with that. But when you look at the overall teaching of Scripture, especially as you get into the New Testament, when you find somebody involved in sin, you just don't immediately cut them off. You don't just immediately cut them out, kick them out. You lovingly and gently go to them to try to woo them back, to bring them to a place of repentance. And if that one-on-one doesn't do it, you know, Michelle was talking about that passage Jesus was talking, then go with somebody else. Again, not to, not, I shouldn't say not to confront because it is a confrontation, but not to condemn and jump all over their case, but to try to bring them back. You take step by step by step. But if it does get to the point where they totally and completely remain unrepentant of major sin, there is this aspect of cutting off. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 5.13, the passage says, purge the evil person from among you. Paul's talking about a specific uh, situation in the church in Corinth where this person was persistent in sin, refused to repent, and was infecting and affecting the rest of the church. He says, you got to get rid of that person because all the other steps have been followed, but uh, it wasn't effective. Letter H is one you should recognize. When God is our shepherd, we do not need to fear evil. When God is our shepherd, we do not need to fear evil. That's familiar, right? Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Whatever we go through, there's evil all around us, and that's what brings hope in light of the culture we live in. I already mentioned that, you know, the terrible things that are going on. You know what? God's ultimately in charge, and it may get worse. In fact, the scripture Norris talked about, it's going to get worse. But that's okay. This world's not our home. And we don't have to fear it. We may experience some stuff we don't want to experience, but we don't have to fear it. Because it's going to look out for us. Number uh, Letter I is one of my favorites. God can bring good out of evil. God can bring good out of evil. 
The greatest example is in the Old Testament. Joseph, when he was betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, went through terrible things, and later was reconciled to his brothers, and his brothers eventually, when their dad died, thought that Joseph was going to try to seek revenge. And this is what Joseph said in Genesis 50, 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Because of their evil, and it was evil, it was not what God desired, it was not what God promoted, but the evil of them selling him into slavery, God used that to allow their whole family, which consisted of 70-something people, to go to Egypt and survive and thrive, Okay. Um, the promise we cling to is Romans 8.28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. All right, letter J. We are to overcome evil with good. We get to be helpers with God, okay, to try to reverse evil, to turn things around. But we don't do it by putting evil people to death, you know, we are to overcome evil with good. Romans 12, 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. All right. Um, now, that's talking about just in general. Any place we see evil, we try to combat it. We try to overcome it with good. But what about when the evil is being done to you? That gives you a right to get back at them, right? No. <laughs> But, you know, I think that most of us are like, yes, we need to overcome evil with good, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And we feel really good about that until the evil's being done to us. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute. i got to get my own back. And that leads us to the next one, letter K. We are to repay evil with good. And that is not easy. 1 Thessalonians 5.15 says, See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seeks to do good to one another and to everyone. 1 Peter 3, 9, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you are called that you may obtain a blessing. Okay. Uh, letter L is something that was mentioned earlier that we need to realize that evil is not just around us, it is within us. In fact, we probably in our lifetime will have a whole lot more trouble with the evil that's within us than the evil that's around us. Because we may not, be, may not be responsible for the evil that's around us, but we are responsible for the evil that is within us. Romans seven nineteen. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. That's one verse out of a whole conversation Paul is talking about. He says, you know, the law of God is a good thing, but when I pay attention to God's law, it's something inside me keeps saying, break it, break it, break it. And I say, no, I'm not going to. I'm here paraphrasing here. This isn't the way Paul put it, but it's basically what he means. No, I'm not going to do it, but then I end up doing it. I don't want to, but I do it. And the stuff I know it's good to do, I do sometimes, but then I don't do it. Okay, and he ends it by saying, we can only have victory in Jesus Christ. Colossians 3, 5 says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. He says, this is stuff that's inside you. You need to deal with it. Another passage we won't read, but it's on your note sheet, Galatians 5, 16 to 21. It talks about the works of the flesh. In other words, the things that just come natural to our flesh. All right, and he contrasts it with the fruit of the Spirit, which is God's antidote that we work, cooperate with the Spirit to see that turned around. 
The last one that I have on my notes here, but there's a lot more about evil in the Bible. We are to allow God to repay evil done to us. That actually, I should have put that one um, right underneath K because it goes together. We're not to overcome evil with good, uh, or we are to overcome evil with good, and we're to not, we are to repay evil with good, but letter M, we are to allow God to repay evil done to us. Proverbs 20 verse 22 says, do not say I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord and he will deliver you. Romans 12, 19 says something very similar. Now, this does not mean that we can't stand up for what is right, that we can't hold people accountable, that we should not pursue what is just and lawful to hold people accountable. This is saying that we are not to seek our own revenge. Okay? And obviously there are attitude things that need to be in there too, that we need to seek to love other people. Sometimes the most loving people, loving thing you can do for somebody that's doing evil is to hold them accountable. Okay? All right. Now I want to do something a little bit different tonight in the sense that question number two is how are these truths evident in Jesus' teaching and actions? Rather than ask you that and let you answer, most of the answers here are ones we've already given because they're truths all through Scripture. I just want to give those to you, make very minimal comments so we can spend most of the rest of our time on the practical side, okay? So how are these truths evident in Jesus' teaching and actions? In other words, what did Jesus teach about evil? How is evil portrayed in his life and ministry? I'm not saying that he was evil, but how he interacted with it. Let me just give these to you. Letter A, blessed are those who have evil done to them for doing good. It's one of the Beatitudes, Matthew 5.11, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all, uh, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. He says, basically, that's the way they've always treated people that have tried to serve God. You're in good company. God will bless you for it. So A, blessed are those who have evil done to them for doing good. B, one day God will separate the evil from the righteous. That goes back to what we talked about uh, with the general teachings of Scripture, that God is going to punish. God is going to discipline. God is going to judge evil. Uh, Matthew 13 verses 49 is at the end of one of Jesus' parables. He says, so it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous. Okay. Letter C is something we've emphasized a couple times. Evil comes out of the heart. Matthew 15, 19. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. Jesus also had something to say, letter D, about return good for evil. Return good for evil. In Luke 6.35, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward be great and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Letter E, people love darkness because their works are evil. That goes back to a a passage where Chris quoted a different verse from that passage a little while ago, John 3.19, and this is the judgment. The lights come into the world, and people love darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Yeah. Chris mentioned in that same general vicinity in John where it says that evil cannot overcome the light. Thank God for that. And the letter F actually is a practical one. Jesus cast evil spirits out of people. All the rest of it had to do with his teachings, but that was a, something he actually did that had to do with evil. He confronted evil. All right. Now, when you think of sickness as being evil but not a moral choice, Jesus confronted that too because he healed people all the time. All right. So I wanted to be able to spend some more time on the last two questions, which is the practical application. In light of all that the Bible talks about evil and where it is and what we should do about it 
and what Jesus had to say about it. How should these truths about evil impact the way I pray and what I pray for? What are the things that we should pray for concerning evil? Pray for God's protection from evil. And that really is the real root of what Jesus is saying here. Um, keep us from evil. Yeah. What else should we, how else should we pray in conjunction with evil in this world and in ourselves? Rebuke it. Okay. You know, Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan, right? There's sometimes we might need to say that too. I don't know if that's a prayer, but we, we might be praying and need to say, we may need to stop our prayer and say that and go back to our prayer. Okay. How, what other things should we have in prayer that have to do with evil? Norris. That God deliver us from evil. So keep us from it, but if we get into it or in the midst of it, whether we caused it or not, but deliver us out of it. Okay? And that can be evil of our own making, evil of somebody else's making, or it can just be really bad circumstances. Yeah. Vita. Okay, so pray for others. Now, you said in their evil. We, we can, you know, it's interesting. This is another one of those that says, um, deliver us. From evil. So this is another one where we need to keep in mind. It's not just us, it's everybody else. So we need to pray for other people in their evil. Um, and there's a number of ways you can go with it. Now you said because their evil affects others. So people that are involved in evil, we need to pray for them that they stop, right? But also because they're caught up in it, that they be delivered from it. And people that are caught in the evil that they did, pray for them too. So we should pray for others in all those ways. Yeah, Dorothy. Help us recognize evil. Yeah. You know what? Why is it that so many people are deceived? Because they don't recognize the evil. I mean, sometimes they recognize it, they just choose it. But sometimes they don't recognize it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. I mean, the devil, when he tempted Jesus, used deception. All right? So that definitely is, is something we need, is that God will help us to distinguish, to discern what really is evil. All right, let me give you the ones I have here, and then we'll talk about how these truths should impact the way we live, okay? So how should these truths about evil impact the way I pray and what I pray for? This is what I have, and again, there could be any number of them. Letter A, pray for God's protection for yourself and for others. Pray for God's protection. And I'm sure you probably already do this. I pray for God's protection over me, over my wife, over my kids, over my grandkids, over my parents, over y'all. I'm a southerner, so, you know, pray, pray for everybody. God protect them. Protect, and not just like in traffic or whatever, but protect them. The enemies want to take them down. You know, pray that hedge of protection. Second Thessalonians 3, 3 says, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Okay? So pray that God will do that. Alright? Letter B is what Dorothy mentioned. Pray for the ability to discern or distinguish, whichever word you like best. Discern is shorter. Discern good from evil. And the writer of the book of Hebrews says this will happen as you mature. Another great reason why we need to study God's word. Okay, Hebrews 5.14. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. That is not only a great reason why we should study God's word for ourselves, but also to help others understand God's word. Especially those that are newer in the faith or less mature. Sometimes you got somebody that's, 10 years of Christian, and they're not very mature, okay? Um, they're a spiritual baby. They've never grown, all right? But we need to help others, too. So pray for the ability to discern good from evil. This is not a fun one, letter C. Pray that God will convict you of evil. 
I don't like praying this, but I do it regularly. Lord, what in my life is not pleasing to you? And sometimes I say, Lord, if there's something in my life that's not pleasing to you, and I kind of know it, but I'm just kind of letting it go, make me miserable. You know what I'm saying? Convict me. Because I don't ever want to get comfortable with sin. All right? So pray that God will convict you of evil. Letter D, pray that God will help you overcome the effects of evil within yourself. Pray that God will help you overcome the effects of evil within yourself. We don't need any testimonies or confessions out loud in public tonight, but what is it you struggle most with? Is it selfishness? Is it anger? Unjustified anger? Is it lust? Is it, you know, what is it? You identify it and you say, God, help me to overcome the effects of this evil in my life. And, then, and that's a whole other lesson of how do you actually do that, but it involves God's word and prayer and accountability and all that kind of stuff. But pray that he will help you overcome the effects of evil within yourself. Letter E, pray that those who are caught in evil will be delivered. Those that are caught in evil will be delivered. I think of you know, something that's really big uh, and has been, it's been big all through history, but there's been a lot more social outcry against it, even in the secular world to some degree, and that's sex trafficking. You know, I think we'd all be shocked to know how much, how pervasive that is, not just around the world and through history, but in our own state. You know, and there are people that are in bondage to the evil of others. You know, other places in the world where slavery is still, on, 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 not just sex slavery, but other slavery is, is a real thing. But pray for those who are caught in evil. Pray that those who are caught in evil will be delivered. That can be an even as a personal thing, a family situation where there's abuse, abuser and abused. You know, and they're caught. They'd like to get out, but they don't know see any way out. You know, and especially if you know that for a fact, to really be praying for people that are caught in evil, that they will be delivered. Letter F, pray that those who cause evil repent. God can change any life. But pray that those who cause evil will repent all right letter g pray that good will overcome evil the bible says that's what we should try to do let our good overcome evil so pray it's successful i see this happening in a practical way when you know someone who's really headed the wrong direction and they're treating you wrong but you love them back and you win them to the lord and it overcomes the evil in their life wonderful testimonies when that kind of thing really happens And then something I'm sure you pray about, I know all the time, letter H, pray that God will bring good out of evil. You know, whenever something bad happens to us, it's like, God, why is this in my life? Did I bring it on myself? Because if so, I need to repent, get that right. But if I didn't, Lord, you've allowed it for some reason. So what do you want me to learn? Help me to learn it. And Lord, you've promised that you can bring good out of evil. So even though this is evil, maybe this is what you what, what you really wanted for me, but other people did it. I want you to bring something good out of it, okay? And those are all promises that we can stand on. So pray that God will bring good out of evil. Last question. We're actually going to get done with it. How should these truths impact the way I live as I seek to follow Jesus? Knowing that there's evil in the world and within us. We just talked about how we should pray about it. How should these truths, how should these facts affect the way we live if we're following Jesus? Any thoughts? Before I give you mine and we wrap it all up. You're all like, go ahead and give me yours because it's almost time to go. Anybody want to throw one out? 
aim to glorify God. Okay? You know, if we aim to glorify God, the more successful we are, the less evil there will be in our lives, right? Yeah. Any other thoughts before I give you mine? Pray for wisdom? Well, that's the prayer thing. Chris? Pray for endurance. So you guys are jumping back to the previous question. What should we pray? What should we pray? I'm talking about what should we do? What should we do? Okay. Let me give you mine. All right. And there's more than what I have here. A, work to defeat the effects of evil in your own life. That mirrors what we prayed. We said, pray that God will help you with the evil in your life, but you need to work toward doing something about it. Okay. Colossians 3, 5. I love Paul's picturesque language. He says, put to death. Therefore, what is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. He says, you gotta, you gotta get serious about this. You gotta put it to death. That doesn't mean commit suicide. It just means whatever you gotta do to get it out of your life. You know, it goes back to what Jesus said. You know, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your right hand cut it off. He didn't mean that literally. He just mean, meant take whatever steps you gotta do to get rid of that junk in your life. I have down there also Galatians 5, 16 to 25. That was the passage that deals with the, with the, um, works of the flesh, but the fruit of the spirit. Okay. We work to develop the fruits of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control to overcome those works of the fresh, flesh that are evil. All right. B is a very practical one. Stay away from places and people who are influence you toward evil. We dealt with this one last week with temptation. There are people you may just need to stay away from and cut off relationship with or minimize if you can't cut it off. If every time you hang around them, you end up doing the wrong thing, going the wrong place. Well, stay away from those kind of places and those kind of people. C, deliberately choose good over evil. Easier said than done sometimes. But that's what God keeps telling us. Choose the good. Choose the good. Reject the evil. Okay? Choose. Deliberately choose good over evil. Um, letter D. Respond to evil by doing good. Again, easier said than done. When somebody does something bad to you, do something good back to them. We've already... I, these don't have scriptures because we already read the scriptures under the truths, you know? When somebody causes you problems, pray for them. And not God zap them, but... Uh, you know, uh, you say, God, I'm leaving that in your hands because you said you'll take care of it. But God, I want to see their heart change, you know. Um, so uh, respond to evil by doing good. Letter E, use your influence to promote good and eliminate evil. Now, let's take a minute just to talk about some practice. What are some things that we can do to promote good and eliminate evil? What? Be a godly example is one of the best things, one of the first things. In fact, it should be the basic thing because if you are not a godly example but you're talking to other people and trying to do stuff, they're saying, well, look at your life. Okay, what else can we do to use our influence to promote good and eliminate evil? Chris. Okay. Uh, speaking up. I think to some degree, one of the reasons that evil flourishes so well is because good people do not speak up or stand up. For whatever reason, I don't want to stick out. I don't want them to give me a hard time. I don't want to be persecuted. Whatever, we need to speak up. Any other practical thoughts? Let me go ahead and give you a couple here. I just tried to think a couple off the top of my head. Um, voting. 
you know, when we go to the polls and we've prayed and said, God, how should I vote for individuals, for issues or whatever? What will cause righteousness to prevail? And I know that that's a mixed bag because when you vote for a person, there may be a little bit of both, right? So you got to weigh and figure out and all that kind of, but I'm just saying, take advantage of the opportunities you have to make a difference. All right. Take a stand. Speak up. Um, work to overcome evil with good. Letter F, spread the gospel. The only thing that's going to really change people's hearts is the gospel, right? We can work hard to change culture, and I'm not saying we shouldn't, but it's only as God changes people's hearts and lives that things will really be changed, all right? All right, I can't believe we made it through that whole thing. So next week, we're going to talk about that closing phrase, that closing declaration. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Amen, all right? So let's pray. Father, thank you. God, thank you for helping us to get through all that stuff because there's a lot of stuff there. And God, our world is full of evil and Lord, we see it in our own lives. God, it came into the human race through Adam and Eve, Lord God. That's why it's so prevalent, Lord God, so prolific in this world. God, we know it's going to get worse before your kingdom's set up. But Father, we pray that you would hinder and limit evil as much as possible. We pray that you'd help us to do what we can do and to pray like we should pray, to see righteousness and justice and equality and and fairness and, and goodness, Lord God, expand, Lord Jesus, anywhere it can. We pray for those who are trapped in evil. Lord God, they're committing the evil. Lord, work in their hearts. I pray that they would not die in that state and go to hell, but I pray, dear Lord, that their hearts would be turned to you. I pray that for those who are trapped because of the evil of others, that you'd bring deliverance, that you'd set them free somehow, some way. Father, work in our hearts and our lives. Help us to have a determination to live a life that pleases you, not just on the outside, but from the inside out. Show us the areas, Lord God, that we need to work on and show us how we can. And God, we recognize we can't do it by ourselves, so we ask for the power of your spirit to get victory over the sin and the evil in our own hearts. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that in spite of all the evil that's in the world, it will not stay there for a long time. One day you will come. All evil will be eliminated. We'll spend eternity with you in all that is good and righteous and just and holy and joyful, peaceful. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to today's message or Bible study. For more information, please contact us at area code 352-347-3001 or visit us online. If you are interested in supporting this ministry, go to our website and click on the online giving tab. Our website address is www.marionoaksag.org. 